part of the Press Play Podcast Network. Chapter 15, Seven, The Hard Way. We all would like to think we would never be the subject of a case involving mistaken identity, or worse, false imprisonment. I know for me personally, when I think of ever being involved in something like that, I think, surely, the system would do its job. Surely, I would never be standing before a jury of my peers, and surely, they would never convict me for a crime I didn't commit. Even though I know the system is flawed, surely, it can't be broken. I mean, at least not that broken. But maybe it is. Maybe the system is broken. Maybe it works sometimes, but not all the time. All the time we see criminals, especially the rich and connected type, get away with literal murder. By intent, the system is designed to punish. It's easy to lock a man up for the rest of his life, but what about when the wrong man goes down for the crime? The system, again, by intent, is designed to make it as hard as humanly possible to correct this. So many people have spent large sums of their lives locked away for crimes they didn't even commit. Sometimes the evidence used to convict these people is not even evidence at all. Sometimes it's just bad luck or technicalities. Prison is supposed to be a place for rehabilitation, but some of the people who write laws are kind of racist and they write laws to punish people for crimes that don't warrant the type of consequences attached to these laws. But that isn't exactly the story we're talking about today. Today, we're talking about a man who had a checkered pass and wound up in the wrong place at the exact wrong time. And as a result of that, along with a few implicit biases, he wound up in prison for what was supposed to be the rest of his life. From the Hyman blog and the Press Play Podcast Network, I'm J.D. Hyman. As a black man living here in America, I am living proof that while all men were created equal, not all men are equal. We're here to dig into the American political system, explore and unearth experiences from the human condition, and be a catalyst for some hard conversations that need to be had, conversations that demand to be had. No matter what brought you here, I'm glad you came. Once again, my name is JD, and this is the Hyman Podcast. Part one, high fidelity. It was just before midnight on December 10th, 2010, outside of Club Blur, a bar located in the Montrose district of Houston, Texas, when a white 20-somethings male ran up to the door. He was frantic and scared and pleaded with the door security to let him inside. He explained that a man was chasing him and he was trying to kill him. The door security failed to understand the seriousness of the situation and turned him away. The man ran back towards the parking lot where he was met by his pursuer. The perpetrator, a black male in his late 20s or early 30s, confronted him with a knife. He was well-dressed, wearing an orange shirt. He had an athletic build, was about 200 to 260 pounds, and stood about 6 to 6.5 feet tall. 
After a brief scuffle, the victim broke free but was quickly subdued and stabbed to death. Six people watched this happen. The following night, December 11th, Lydell Grant arrived and parked his car in that same parking lot. He exited his vehicle to meet some friends at a neighboring bar. One of the employees from Club Blur saw Lydell exit the car and believed he was the same guy from the previous night. He wrote down the VIN number from Lydell's car and called Crime Stoppers. The Houston police assembled a lineup of six African-American males, including the photo of Mr. Lydell Grant, and presented the lineup to all six witnesses. The lead detective was allowed to administer the lineup in a non-double-blind manner. This meant he knew which photo was that of the suspect, and he had the ability to influence the selection process of the six witnesses. He was able to reinforce the right choice and solidify his case. One week later, a warrant was issued and Lydell was arrested for murder in the first degree. He proclaimed his innocence, provided an alibi, but in the wake of comments made by the Houston Police Department and the Court of Public Opinion, the adjudication process was quick. Two years later, in December of 2012, he was put on trial and with the eyewitness testimony of six people, he was convicted of murder. But it wasn't just the testimony of the six eyewitnesses that sealed his fate, but it was also a combination of poor forensic analysis, improper DNA testing, and a defense team that missed huge red flags that led to his incarceration. During his trial, a forensic DNA analyst that worked for the Houston Police Department Crime Laboratory testified that DNA found in the alleles under the victim's fingernails formed the profile of the perpetrator. In the midst of the scuffle between the killer and the victim, the victim must have scratched his assailant. This DNA mixture suggested that it belonged to a male who wasn't the victim. Her testimony was not conclusive that it belonged to Lydell, but after prodding from the prosecution, she testified that he could not be excluded as a suspect. Yes, you heard that correctly. The DNA was not conclusively proven to belong to that of Lydell, and this evidence was admitted into court. The defense did not properly cross-examine the witness, nor did they provide their own expert witness to contest the findings. And that was that. Lydell was sentenced to life in prison. Post-conviction, Lydell appealed his case multiple times, and each time he lost. So, finally, he wrote to the Innocence Project of Texas. At the same time, he filed a motion to have the DNA retested. The Innocence Project, led by Mike Ware, runs a law clinic at Texas A&M School of Law. Law students, in conjunction with the staff of the Innocence Project, examined the DNA evidence in the case. One of the charges of the clinic is to examine possible cases where the convicted defendant has the possibility of petitioning for a claim of actual innocence. This is different from having a case dismissed on the grounds of poor evidence or competing evidence. It means either one, a person was convicted of a crime that occurred much as the police, witnesses, and prosecutors claim it occurred, but it was committed by a completely different person, or two, a person was convicted of a crime that never actually occurred at all. The students were first to note that the DNA evidence was not consistent with Lydell's DNA. They found that nine of the 13 loci, the genetic locations of DNA on a chromosome, were inconsistent. 
This alone should have been enough data to exclude Lydell, which means the DNA analyst with the Houston Crime Lab was wrong in their interpretation of the data. But this wasn't enough to secure Lydell's release. The DNA needed to be tested again, and that's exactly what the Innocence Project did next. The Combined DNA Index System, more formally known as CODIS, is the national DNA database created by the Federal Bureau of Investigation and is used in the U.S. to aid in the investigation of cases involving DNA evidence. The database consists of multiple state and local DNA indexes that can be accessed by all levels of law enforcement. In 1994, Congress passed the DNA Identification Act. Among one of the provisions is the collection of DNA specimens from certain persons. As of 2018, states have adopted their own laws regarding the collection of DNA. While all 50 states collect DNA and upload into the CODIS system, 14 states collect DNA from some felonies, 18 states collect DNA from all felonies, and 18 states, including the District of Columbia, collect DNA only from persons convicted of a felony. The system contains vast amounts of information from convicts, arrestees, victims of crimes, missing persons, sex offenders, and unidentified human remains. Lydell would need to harness the complete power of this system, but at the time, he didn't even know it existed. More on that after the break. What's up, everyone? Chase Smith here, host of the Chase Smith Podcast, and my podcast reflects who I am. My hobbies, my interests, my passions, my curiosities, my careers, my questions, and my family. I'll spend time talking about all types of sports, movies, TV shows, trending news stories, and other cultural events, and even faith. This is who I am, and I hope I can get to know you as well. Join me on the Chase Smith Podcast, and let's have some thought-provoking conversations only on the Press Play Podcast Network. Hello, Brooks here with the Books with Brooks monthly book club podcast. Here's how Books with Brooks works. We read one book a month, and then we talk about it. Classics like Stephen King's The Shining, debut novels like We Are the Brennans by Tracy Lang, and tons of other compelling, life-changing stories, one book and one month at a time. So come read along with us and then listen in. This episode of the Hyman Podcast is brought to you by presenting sponsor Uproar Coaching. Check it out. Uproar Coaching. Let me guess, you're ready to get serious about your goals and you're looking for accountability support, but you don't have the time or the tolerance for the chit chat. You're busy balancing work and life and home and all that other crap and your to-do list isn't getting any shorter. You've been talking about making that career leap, finishing that creative project, kicking that bad habit, but you simply don't have the time and energy to invest in yourself. Listen, uproar coaching gets you. You are busy. What if I told you you can get maximum accountability with minimal commitment, productivity without punishment? Uproar Coaching's Busy Bitch Program brings you all of the good stuff you'd get from a weekly hour-long coach session minus the conversation. Here's how it works. Each Friday morning for five weeks, you'll receive an email with three prompt questions. Take 10 minutes to answer those questions. That's it. By Monday, midday, 
you'll receive a personal reply offering support and challenging those limitations you're putting on yourself. This is Productivity Supercharged. And let me tell you, once you meet Carrie, you're going to want her to speak positivity and motivate you to accomplish your goals. She's authentic, enthusiastic, and genuine. She's the real deal. So go to uproarcoaching.com today, click on work with me and find the Busy Bitch program. Listeners receive 10% off her Busy Bitch program by using promo code P3 at checkout. Again, visit uproarcoaching.com today to learn more. Part two, the long road home. While in prison, Lydell met another inmate who insisted that he not give up on his case that he learns as much as possible about his case, the evidence against him, and the legal system. Lydell spent a lot of time in the prison's law library researching his case and the evidence against him. His fellow inmate, after reading over the DNA evidence, insisted that he have a lawyer drop a motion to have the DNA evidence tested again. Lydell began the process of reaching out to lawyers. Through the help of his brother, Lydell drafted a letter that was sent to hundreds of people, including radio personalities and Oprah, to name a few. Unfortunately, it was met with few responses. Lydell's next option was to file for an appeal on the grounds of ineffective assistance of counsel. Lydell's court-appointed attorney didn't interview the six witnesses, nor did they cross-examine the DNA analyst or hire an outside expert witness to rebuttal the testimony. Each appeal was denied. Lydell was in touch with numerous lawyers, but felt as though they weren't taking his case seriously. One even saying he was unsure how DNA was even going to help him. In January 2018, he was assigned Brittany Lakeo, and it was around this time that one of his letters reached the desk of one Mike Ware. Mike was not an expert in DNA evidence, but he noticed what his students had noticed, and then some. Something wasn't right. Mike was seeing alleles that conclusively didn't belong to the victim or Lydell. Working with his new lawyer, Mike Ware reached out to Dr. Angie Ambers, a forensic DNA analyst and professor at the University of New Haven in Connecticut, and asked her to examine the DNA evidence from the case. She did, and her conclusions only served to prove to Mike what he already knew. Someone else's DNA was under the victim's fingernails. Grant's DNA, she told Mike, was not in the mixture. Dr. Amber suggested to Mike that he employ a new software-based method for analyzing DNA mixtures called probabilistic genotyping in order to verify her findings. This type of genotyping uses high-powered computers and is able to intricately unravel all the parts of the DNA specimen. In March 2019, Mike did just that. He sent the raw data to Cybergenetics Corporation located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The lab's report was conclusive that Grant's DNA was not in the mixture. But what's more, it was able to discern a completely separate DNA profile, which was then uploaded to the CODIS database. The CODIS database contains the DNA profiles of nearly 14 million convicted criminals. In June of that year, with a new DNA profile uploaded into CODIS, the database got a hit. 
The profile belonged to that of Jamarico Carter. It was later discovered that Jamarico lived in Texas at the time of the murder, and coincidentally enough, he fit the description provided by the six eyewitnesses. In addition to a rap sheet a mile long, he had previously been arrested, a mere few feet away from the original crime scene on a drug-related charge. Like I said, his rap sheet was a mile long and included numerous violent crimes, and on top of that, he had even spent time in jail. After the murder took place, Jamarco relocated to Georgia. With the DNA profile match, this meant that Jamarco's DNA was under the victim's fingernails. His victim, in the heat of trying to fight for his life, took a piece of his assailant for the road. And from beyond the grave, he made sure his death was not in vain. It would be six months later, in December 2019, before authorities would catch up with Jamarco. After being arrested on other charges, the Houston police were notified. Detectives hopped on a plane and flew to Atlanta, Georgia. In the course of the interview, Jamarco confessed to the murder but claimed it was in self-defense. As of the recording of this episode, Jamarco was indicted on murder charges, extradited back to Texas where he's awaiting trial for murder. And you would think, just like that, they would open the gates and let Lydell out. But nope, that wasn't the case. Like I said earlier, they make false imprisonment difficult to remedy. After Carter was arrested and charged with murder, the Innocence Project of Texas filed a post-conviction appeal on Lydell's behalf. The appeal was supported by the Harris County District Attorney's Office as well as the district judge. The case went before the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals and Lydell was released on bond. The case was pending before the court for 16 months before it was remanded back to the district court. They asked the district court to have the six eyewitnesses respond to Lydell's claim for innocence and a photo of the confessed killer at the time of the murder. It was about this time that one of the six eyewitnesses stated that during the original lineup, he'd indicated that he didn't see the man who committed the crime, but was asked to look again. His full statement, to be honest, said the witness, the day the police officers came to me with the lineup and asked me to pick someone, I told them I didn't see the guy, but they said to look again because he was in there and other people had already picked him. I picked Mr. Grant, even though I did not really feel he was the guy. The court would send the case back to the lower court two more times. All this time, Lydell was still considered a convicted murderer who'd been released on bond. After two years, they finally did it. They finally listened. The TCCA stated that Lydell Grant was actually innocent. Here's Lydell and Mike Ware. This is a case where the Innocence Project of Texas, a non-law enforcement agency, actually initiated the CODIS search that has identified the man who's now been uh, identified as involved in this case. We can say this day that justice has been served. I knew that this day was going to come. I just didn't know when. Lydell is home now, a free man. After the TCCA declared Lydell innocent on May 27, 2021, the Harris County Prosecutor's Office were able to finally officially drop the charges against him and dismiss the case. For the time he spent in prison, nearly a decade of his life 
Lydell was awarded state compensation in the amount of $673,000. Not everyone in similar situations as Lydell are afforded the same luck. In Lydell's case, there was DNA evidence. Lydell became his own best ally and fought for his freedom even though no one else would. Lydell's story is unique in that the system finally corrected itself. And even though the TCCA drug their feet as best they could in the end, he was triumphant. When I first read about Lydell's case, I was shocked. The system failed in such a fantastic way and it took seven years to correct itself. Look at cases like at Saeed, which was prominently featured on the podcast Serial. 20 years. He spent 20 years in jail. Unlike the Grant case, the prosecutors looked at the evidence and lost faith in the original case. And when they realized their critical elements were missing from the original case, they course corrected and petitioned to have Adnan's conviction vacated. What's going to happen at this point is anyone's guess, but if I had to guess, they aren't going to attempt to try this case again unless they have some pretty concrete evidence. Life throws you curveballs. That's a given. Life threw Lydell Grant one of the craziest curveballs. When it all came down to it, he was put in prison for seven years because of a case of mistaken identity. He was simply in the wrong place at the wrong time. And if it was just as simple as a case of mistaken identity, maybe things wouldn't have gone the way they did. But he was also up against a detective with an axe to grind. We saw a man who refused to let the fire inside him die. We saw a man with no voice stay standing and in that we can find solace. I'd like to believe that on principle, that the universe has a way of correcting itself, but history and propensity and the ghosts of our past have shown us that the universe doesn't always work that way. And that's the thing. Sometimes life will take you to the breaking point in order to help you to realize what it is that you're actually capable of. And it's not always easy and it's not always fun. And to some degree, it's a painful process. But it's a process nonetheless, and as with most processes, it gives you drive. And that drive is what helps push you forward. It's that drive that Lydell Grant used to write countless letters, to scream until someone heard his voice, and not just his voice, but also his truth, which is what ultimately paved the way for his post-conviction relief, for his freedom. We can all learn something from this. If you don't fight for yourself, no one else will. If you don't advocate for yourself, no one else will. Sometimes you have to be your own greatest ally. Sometimes the only person in your corner is yourself. And every once in a while, every once in a while, the stars will align. And with hope, just a little bit of hope, magic happens. My name is J.D. Hyman. This is The Hyman Podcast. I'll see you next time. The Hyman Podcast was written, edited, and produced by myself. Share with guests Whitney Hall and Mary Louise Layton co-produce and research. Cover art and branding by Kevin Aki. The theme music was composed and produced by Jim Yosef with additional music license from Epidemic Sound. The Hyman Podcast is a production of the Press Play Podcast Network. Press Play is staffed by Chase Smith, our CEO and fearless leader. I serve as Chief Operating Officer, and Brooks May is the Chief Creative Officer. 
To learn more about the network, sponsorships, guest appearances, or if you're interested in launching your own podcast on our network, visit us on the web at www.pressplaypodcast.com. To learn more about this podcast, our mission and vision, or for sponsorship information, please visit us on the web at www.jdhyman.com.